0: Please remain standing and open your Bibles or find it on your electronic devices or however you're uh, reading your scriptures this morning. Turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. And God's Word says this. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marveled at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me, because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Please be seated. Let's pray for some help and enlightenment as we look at this text. Lord, we thank you and we pray to you and ask for your guidance, your help as we encounter your holy word. We know that it's no accident that we're here. We know uh, that you've worked in our lives up till now and you've brought us to this place and we pray that you'll take this, your holy word, as you've done for so many people who've studied it and profited from it, uh, this text, all these centuries that that you will do the same for us. And so we pray for understanding, enlightenment, conviction, encouragement, uh, everything we need from you, from your word, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking this morning about teaching, evaluating the teaching and preaching you hear. Um, education. It's interesting that they said, how can this guy be talking to us like that? He doesn't have an education. And just for fun, and I didn't spend a lot of time on this, uh, you could you could do a better job of finding funny things just in our general education. Uh, I, I look at it as funny because I listen to a podcast. They're saying, man, why are we sending our kids to colleges and they're teaching them? They're teaching them to hate their parents and, and and not like the freedoms they've been given and all that. And I said, boy, I could go in a real angry diatribe way. I just want to look at some funny classes. Here's some classes you could take if you were a young college student in the right place at the right time. And again, I do not despise. I'm leading off with Cornell University. So, uh, but I respect I respect a a a Ph.D. in chemistry from Cornell. I, I really do. But if an undergrad said. <laughs> What did you take at Cornell? Tree climbing. (laughs) We will teach you how to get up into the canopy of any tree, to move around, even to climb from one tree to another without touching the ground. And I'd say, I spent my money on that, tree climbing. But then you could go to another ivy, Princeton, and take a course in getting dressed. You like the weather down south a little bit better, and in South Carolina sounds good, and, and you're interested, go to the University of South Carolina and take a class called Lady Gaga and the Sociology of Fame. The central objective is to unravel some of the sociologically relevant dimensions of the fame of Lady Gaga. Uh, that's college class. Um, how to watch television at Montclair State. And so you take a class on how to watch television and you transfer up to bennington university and take a class called Westworld, world our world or one i didn't write which school it was at the game of thrones then there's the ever popular the art of walking and they do throw some philosophers in there but they say mostly this is a class where you walk maybe even up to 25 miles together it's like well that's good uh, you, you can pay a gym uh, and go walk, or you can just go in your neighborhood, step out your door and walk, or you can go pay a college to give you uh, a course in walking. They'd never do anything ridiculous in Iowa, would they? Like, that's a, that's sharp, those Iowa Hawkeyes. Here's the University of Iowa. The American vacation. Quote, vacations are more serious than you might think. Uh, <laughs> the amazing world of Bubbles. At Caltech, exploring bubbles in their many forms, from those that pose danger to engines to those that aid in medical procedures. This course is nothing short of an ebuliophobic nightmare. And a bubiophobic that I had to look up is the fear of bubbles and people fear. So, like New Year's Eve, keep your dog at home because of the fireworks. And if you're a ubiophobic or whatever that is, the bubbles in the champagne might trigger something. Um, but the amazing world. Um, I know a lot of us are interested, and we are puzzled by this phenomenon in our culture called the hipster, this mysterious figure called the hipster. So at Tufts University, there's a class on demystifying the hipster. And so if you've ever wanted to (laughs) demystify a hipster, take the class. It'll cost you. But you'll be able to do that at the end. Now, the last one, I actually, the title of it looked like, what in the world are these people in Michigan throwing their money away on? But then you read it, and I think the title of it, actually, this is probably the most legitimate, well, or no, I, I can't say that, but it looks relatively legitimate. It's like a pastor putting a trying to find a cool title for his sermon. And then there's nothing about that in the sermon, it's all just the word. Uh, but this is called. Surviving the coming zombie apocalypse, disasters, catastrophes, and human behavior—that's at Michigan State. Um, underwater basket weaving did not make the list, so I think that's probably one that's, that's that's all in our past. But you think about the what we put on education, what we put on—where did you learn? Jesus just stands up in the temple and he's teaching the word. And what do the religious leaders say? Where did you learn? How come you can talk to us about this? Uh, they're marveling, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he's never studied? When it comes to religion and to us, as we read our Bibles and we, as we live a Christian life, are all religions the same? When it comes to our Bible, are all sources of Bible knowledge essentially the same? How do you get the spiritual knowledge, the biblical knowledge, the God knowledge you need to be an effective husband or wife or parent, child? Where do you obtain the knowledge to die? That's a spiritual thing. Where do you get that? You've got to go to seminary to get that who who's going to teach you that how do you How do you trust that teaching? Where do you go to confirm that there's spiritual life after physical death? Is there a place in Christianity to find that out? Is there a seminary you can go to or a class you can take? I wrote not only spiritual life after physical death, but how about spiritual death after physical death? What about all this talk about hell? Uh, We don't want it to be hell as a society. And if we don't like the idea of it on the surface as it hits us, uh, is there one? Can we just say uh, there's not? Where do we find out if, if, if what we would prefer or not prefer are true? How do we find out how to die, how to grieve? Well, these religious leaders of the day of Jesus were utterly opposed to him. Remember, we saw this last week. He wasn't going to go to the feast. The brothers were saying, hey, get up there. You can can sell some of your product that way. Do some miracles. Blow their minds. Uh, Hey, you're the Messiah. You're doing all this stuff. And they said it in a taunting way. And Jesus said, I'm not going just because you're telling me to go. But then the Lord told him to go, and he went. But he went quietly, about halfway through this religious feast, which was part of their culture. So it's religious feast, but it's, there, there's a lot of uh, festivities going on. It's what they had to celebrate. He jumps up, jumps up. He enters, I bet that's a better way to say it. He entered, he went up into the temple, and he began teaching in verse 14. Uh, he didn't go up there and do the miracles to draw the attention to himself, But he saw a lack and a need, and he went to teach the people. He would have had the scripture in front of him. Sometimes when it talks about Jesus' teaching, it even tells what scripture he used. Uh, Isaiah, the first teaching that we have. The Lord has anointed me to preach the good news. Uh, Here we don't know what it was, but it was teaching, and it would have had to be, because it's in the temple, based on scripture. He said, how can he have learning when he's never studied? We're the ones with the seminary degree. We're the fancy ones. We're the ones. How can he do this? Text this morning dealing with how we can know the word of God, how we can exercise proper judgment when it comes to spiritual things, and it's with an emphasis on the teaching. First point. Honest obedience to God's will is the only way to obtain clear spiritual knowledge. Say it again. Honest obedience to God's will, I said the only way, is one way to obtain clear spiritual knowledge. Jesus said in verse 17 in response to their question, he said, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God. Or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Talked Wednesday morning. We're going through uh, Martin Lloyd Jones' book, Spiritual Depression, talking about these three areas, uh, the complete Christian, the head, the heart, the hands. He had a different, uh, different uh, you know, the will, the mind, the but but head, heart, hands, essentially for us. And he said, it's not enough to just hit the head. Head knowledge about Jesus, not saving. Heart knowledge about Jesus, not saving. Working for Jesus, doing uh, doing things for for Jesus, not saving. He said it's not even enough to get two out of the three. He would say, hey, two out of three ain't bad. No, head, heart, hands, the Christian life is for all of those things. He said aim at the head first. How will they hear without a preacher? Get people to hear the facts of the gospel. You can't, get, you can't be a Christian without knowing that there is a, a necessity for a cross, uh, for, for the wrath of God to, to come down that you're lost without Jesus being the Savior. Um, it's not just feel good about Jesus. It's not hit the heart first and then the head will follow. But he says it's got to be all three. I agree. Many people will say, and they'll use this as an excuse, well, I just don't get the Bible. The Bible's too deep. Everyone's got a different opinion anyway. It's all different. Uh, You know, you can't, you you, you have yours, I have mine, and I'm just not going to try because uh, it's just different. Too many churches. Some people on Judgment Day might use that when they stand in front of God and and it's, why should I let you into my heaven? And some people might say, well, God, if you hadn't let it get so complicated down there in those churches, and God would say, no, there was the truth being preached. You have a Bible. Read your Bible. And you decide, you choose to say, God, I'm going to submit to the truth when I find it. And my heart is to follow God. God, please show me. That's like the passage where Jesus said, uh, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. You come to God, you pray to God, God won't say, well... You know, go, go back and get some Sunday school in you first. Go back, here's a pretty good Bible college in your area, or you can take a correspondence course or, or, or listen to RefNet for uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Get some, some knowledge first and then, then come back. No, you come to God with a humble heart to say, I want to serve you, God, and I need you to help me to understand what's true. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not cast that person out. Hosea six three, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Press on to know the Lord. You're not wanting to know about God to win a Bible argument, to know about God to see if you reject or accept. Press on to know the Lord. He's going out as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Matthew six twenty two, King James version: If thine eye is sincere, thy whole body shall be full of light. Uh, trans, translated a different way, and, and people took different options. Saying your your ESV, but uh, talking about it, and sincere is a good translation. Man, you want to. Your heart is there. You want. Uh, God's not going to say. I'm going to play a trick on you. You want to know me, but I'm not going to show you to to, me to yourself. It's not hide and seek. And Jesus said to these people, if anyone's will is to do God's will, you want to do God's will, you want to, then you will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. He was saying your motives are not to know God. And if they were, you'd know, and you wouldn't be questioning me and saying, where'd you go to seminary? Here's our buddy J.C. Ryle. It should never be forgotten that God deals with us as moral beings and not as beasts or stones. He loves to encourage us to self-exertion and diligent use of such means as we have in our hands. The plain things in religion are undeniably very many. Let a man honestly attend to them and he shall be taught the deep things of God. Oh, it was good yesterday in our men's group to talk about Jesus and the names of Jesus and the Lord Jesus Christ and what does Lord mean? What does Christ mean? I'm telling you on judgment day uh, when you are there in front of God, the question is not going to be, give me the Hebrew equivalent of the New Testament word for Christ. Now, after a while, you're going to know it's Messiah. But that's not a Bible test you have to pass. You have to say, did I repent of my sins and put my faith in Jesus? We we come to Christ ourselves, and boy, we repent, we know we need the Lord, and it's a pretty low bar a high bar because our sins have to be paid for but our our level of what we understand jesus is my substitute without jesus i'm on my way uh, to eternity without christ aka hell with jesus and because jesus is my substitute and as i say the same thing about my sin that god says and i see myself and i come to the cross and i say okay god uh, he says he'll do this instead of me um, pay for my sins so that I can have his righteousness. Uh, that's it. And we don't want to make the bar then higher for everybody else uh, than, it, than it is in the Bible, than it was for us. The gospel's the gospel. It's plain, it's simple, it's easy to understand, it's hard perhaps to believe. And there's barriers like our sin that make us not want to believe it. But to understand the basic message of the gospel, uh, anybody can get that. I used to have regular lunch times with my, my friend from Iran, Muslim, who never, who, who, was, who remained Muslim. But we talked about our, our religion, we talked about what we believed to be true. Fashad was his name. And he said to me one time, he said, okay, so if you preach to your congregation that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and paid the price and their sins are paid for, how do you get them then to do anything good? How can you get them to do any good? Because they don't need to, because he was coming from a works salvation mentality. And I said, well, Pashad, what you're telling me is you understand the gospel. You understand because you got, you got it exactly right. And then I went into why people who are Christians then desire to do good and want to do good. But it's simple enough to understand. And then it grows. Uh, the gospel, the harder scriptures then are understood and interpreted by the easier ones. And Jesus said, listen, it's not having a certain level of intellectual knowledge. It's having a heart that says, I'm going to submit to God. God, show me. And then you see these basic facts of the gospel. You submit to them. And then you grow. And that's how you discern the teaching that you get. We build then as Christians on what we're learning, but it starts with a uh, something changing in our heart. Hearing the basic intellectuals, I was going to say, as little Brian learns to talk, he's building on his learning. I was talking with Kadini Thursday night. She says Bruno talks to him in English. She talks to him in Portuguese. Uh, he's getting both. I said, good, keep both. If you can be bilingual just naturally, that's a good way in this in this world that is so. So uh, uh, multilingual, uh, but he's building on what he's learning. I saw a little video of him singing the ABCs or, or trying to and pointing. So cute. We all learned that way. We all uh, make our mistakes in our understanding. We were little kids, and at our house, the Beatles were like not allowed. Uh, <laughs> Satan's rock music not allowed. But the neighbor girl was teaching us the lyrics to Hard Day's Night. And I didn't get it. Hard Day's Night? I've never heard that. I'm a little kid. And so I would always sing that song, It's Been a Hard Day Tonight. Well, that didn't make sense either, but it made more sense. Or uh, My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. My Bonnie Lies Over... Well, what is that? That's a Scottish thing, little kids. So we would just sing, didn't understand it. My body lies over the ocean. My body lies over the sea. Uh, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. And nobody talked like that. So we would sing life is butter dream because didn't, that didn't make sense either, but it made more sense. Uh, Christianity, you get the lyrics and you start to learn and you get the basics. And then as you get the basics and understand, you grow. What do you do for your uh, family devotions with little kids? I say read them Bible stories and don't spend a whole lot of time saying, now here's the gospel in here. They're going to get the gospel. But just like you would teach, like you learn a language, you start with the basics. Get them familiar with the Bible, all of it, Old Testament, New Testament. And then they learn and they put it together, and then you're explaining the gospel. I'm not saying don't tell them the gospel, but... but Somehow just give them some, some Bible knowledge to build on as they get older and can process things. Grandma said, Grandma Sorensen, my mom's mom, I, she heard me clearing the table one time after we were up over at their house. And I was just singing a song I'd heard in church that day. And I was singing, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be here. <laughs> I was just the roll's is called up yonder. I'll be here, and she said, "David, I heard you sing that." And, I, and she told me later on, and I started praying for you so much that you wouldn't be here when the roll is called up yonder. But I didn't know what a roll was. I thought a roll was e- either a butter roll or what Grandma called rolls were more like these Danish rolls, and I liked them. And boy, when the roll is called, I didn't know what yonder meant. But when the roll is called and they call me to get one of those rolls, I'm going to be right here to get one of those rolls. Uh, you get older and you start to think and you understand. Um, you learn I learned there is a role in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. I learned about Judgment Day. Learned about names written in that Lamb's Book of Life, about repentance and saving faith. And now I say when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. But you start, you don't have to have and what these Religious leaders were demanding of Jesus or what they were using to put him down. Where'd you go to seminary? Where's all your little nuanced theological this and that? Jesus could talk to them in that language. He could sit with Nicodemus, the seminarian, and say, be born again. And Nicodemus could give that metaphor about entering his mother's womb, and they could have that conversation. And then the next thing you know, he's sitting there with the woman at the well, having the conversation with her. Just as smart as Nicodemus, just not as educated, because the times didn't allow for it. Do you want to be sure you're truly hearing God's word? Then submit to what you know. Pray for understanding for what you don't know, and stay with it. And it's amazing what you will learn about God. So next he addresses those religious leaders, those teachers who think they're so smart but are really so foolish. They can't even hear him when he's right in front of them. And he says, a self-exalting spirit in ministers of religion is entirely opposed to the mind of Christ. A self-exalting spirit in the people that are teaching the word, self-exalting, is opposite of Christ's mind. That's in verse 18. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. I'm sitting there listening to a sermon, and here's a man who says, he's trying to describe that the text is about the kingdom of God being here, but the kingdom also being there. And he goes, and I like to call this, what I like to call it is the already and the not yet. And I'm thinking, (laughs) You like to call it that you do as if you coined that phrase, and that 's just something you like to call it every seminarian uh, that that 's just common language. we all like to call it that, and if it helps, it helps, but I like to call it that as if I discovered that. listen, be careful if you 're a teacher of scripture you 're teaching your kids you're you 're teaching a men 's group you're you're speaking up in a, in a Bible study group and you're teaching in that way and, and all that, be careful. You're, you're not trying to show how much you know because you don't know that much, really. You're trying to give glory to God. And Jesus said, listen, a self-exalting spirit in ministers of religion is entirely opposed to the mind of Christ. You're not going to get my teaching, Jesus says, uh, because you're all about yourself and your pedigree and your degree, and where you went to school. Here's Ryle again. Why not? The wisdom and truth of this sentence will be evident at once to any reflecting mind. The minister truly called of God will be deeply sensible of his master's majesty and his own infirmity, and will see in himself nothing but unworthiness. He, on the other hand, who knows that he is not uh, inwardly moved by the Holy Spirit, will try to cover his defects by magnifying himself in his office. Very desire to boast in ourselves is a bad symptom. It's a sure sign of something wrong within. I'm not saying don't listen to anybody who's, who's uh, famous. John the Baptist was famous. They all came to John the Baptist. I'm not saying if you see their name on a website and people listen to their sermons... Don't listen to them because they're obviously... No, they're not obviously. They, they, they're great, great men, so many of them. John the Baptist was there. All the city came out to him. And what was his message? He must increase, but I must decrease. Listen to the words. And if the words are, I must increase, and I can use Jesus to get ahead, that's wrong. That's sinful. That's wicked. That's what Jesus condemned. So I'm not saying don't, don't, don't take me wrong. Look at Paul, as Paul preached and understood more and more of Christ. Someone pointed this out. I read this a while back and said, wow, that's, that's something I hadn't heard yet. Maybe you've heard this. Paul, uh, the more he walked with God, the more he spent time in the scriptures and saw God work, the, less, uh, the more inclined he was to um, see himself as a sinner in need of a savior. These happen, we look at the, at the order in which he wrote the letters. 1 Corinthians fifteen nine, He writes, For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. So he's coming at it as the least of the apostles, unworthy to be an apostle. Ephesians 3.8, he says, To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. So he starts out in his ministry and career, properly saying I'm the least of the apostles, now saying I'm the least of all the Christians. And there the final one is he's getting ready to die in First Timothy. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, or the chief, as the old translation put it. And he went for an understanding and his growth in Christ, starting with Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And seeing Jesus on the cross and being a Christian and and getting converted that day to seeing himself as he grew in his knowledge of the scriptures to seeing himself, uh, and and he got more humble as as he got along, it seems like, from his writings. That's what I'm saying. Looking for a church? You're moving, you're looking for a church and evaluating the pastor? Wondering... Which famous preacher you should spend time with on the internet because you only get 24 hours a day and do I tune in this one or that one or somebody said this one's a good preacher, this one's feeding me here, this one. What are you looking for? Here's the test. Does he use God to exalt himself or does he use himself to exalt God? It's not the one who says behold the church, behold the sacraments, behold the ministry. It's the one who says behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen to that and find that. Learn from that one. Finally, Jesus warns against a hasty judgment. There's danger in forming a hasty judgment as you look to where you're going to be fed. Verse 24 Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. A wise man told me, and it wasn't original with him, and he never said it was. But he would always say, God leads, Satan rushes. These people were automatically going to condemn Jesus for healing a man on the Sabbath. You broke the law of Moses. He broke the law of Moses. People can get stirred up and do all kinds of crazy things. Soundbite theology. And Jesus explained that they were greatly misjudging him. And he took the time to walk them through. Okay. Here's the law of Moses. Here's the circumcision happening on Sunday. Uh, you say this, this body part, this, this thing uh, uh, is, uh, is, is okay. Well, how about if I heal the whole body of a person? Think about it. Take time. Let's get into the scriptures. And that we would do well to do that too. The best men are but men at their very best. Paul and I saw a man one time at our dinner table. We were young. This famous speaker, I told Ted the story, uh, we saw a good man having a pretty bad day. (laughs) Famous guy in our denomination. Hey, good men and women can have a bad day every now and then. We'll all never listen to him if you're going to that city, and don't go to that church because one time he, he was having a bad day. No, I'm going to tune him in. I'm going to learn from him. God's used him. Uh, I can allow for the flaws in people. best of men are men at their very best. I was on church once and heard of a church uh, that was multi-staffed. I knew the pastor was a good, godly guy. But I knew the pastor was also human being, and what do we know about human beings? Well, you can say they have their blind spots. You can say they have their sins. They have their stuff they're fighting. Yeah. Person they hired on their staff couldn't handle that. That person that came on staff uh, from the outside, it looked like everybody on staff was perfectly flawless, and like we all stood around and and and. and quoted the Psalms in Hebrew and, and, and saying kumbaya all day, and it was like heaven on earth. And it was hard for that person to not uh, then to see the, the wart, to see the, the, the chipped tooth or see the, and, and not dwell on that and focus on that and couldn't handle it because that person needed their pastor to be flawless, and that pastor was not flawless. Jesus said, listen to the words, listen to the heart. Listen to what they're teaching. What are they saying about God? Don't make a quick judgment. But also don't be deceived by a false appearance of good. And don't be fooled by a false appearance of evil. But don't be deceived by a false appearance of good. Paula and I went down to, I think it was the second or third, I'd have to look this up, the Ligonier Conference. Down R.C. Sproul. It became big. It became more narrowly reformed and broadly evangelical. Listen to who we heard at R.C. Sproul's Ligonier Conference, maybe the second. This is probably the second year, if I, if I remember right. So here's R.C. Sproul. Knew who he was. Loved R.C. Wanted to hear him. J.I. Packer, who's still my hero, loved him. Went to hear it. Couldn't wait. Chuck Colson was there. Chuck Swindoll was there. And some guy we'd never heard of, but he had to be good because these four were so good. Ravi Zacharias was there. And so we came back, and I'm just this arrogant little seminary wannabe guy on my way there. And and we're riding to a Presbytery meeting, and Phil Finley's driving the car, my my mentor. And I'm I'm in the backseat talking about this conference with a couple of the elders. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Chuck Colson, he was so good. Oh, J.I. Packer, just what you would expect. But Chuck Swindoll, oh, what a waste of time. What a, what a waste. You know, it was just generic and all that. And, and Finley would never say anything. I, I hardly ever heard him say anything negative about anybody. That was his creed. And he was slow to even offer his correction and jump in. But finally, he's driving that car. Gadsden, Alabama, soft-spoken man he finally had to interrupt me. And he said, Dave, he said, think about those five men that you heard. He said, only one of them is actively a pastor, working hard with all the things that go on as in the pastorate, coming up with a sermon like a term paper every week. Uh, I, think you should, you're, I think you're judging Chuck Swindoll a little too hard. These other people are seminarians. They've been invited to this because they're specialists in this topic. And so, of course, they're going to come across. But but don't be so hard on on, on old Swindoll. And that was good for him to say that and remind me. And there's something there. But the one that I could not stop talking about, this out-of-nowhere guy, Ravi, Zacharias, I want to hear everything he said. I want to know, I want to learn. And we know how that turned out, ultimately. And Jesus said, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. How about us this morning? As we look at at this passage here in, in John, and Jesus gets up to teach, and the opposition marveling, saying, how is it that he has learning when he's never studied? And Jesus said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. You will thank me later if you look up a man named the Reverend Dan Smith. Or I couldn't find it on my little music thing, but, uh, but another... Uh, black man from Alabama singing a very, very bluesy song, singing a recording of Dan Smith's words. I was going to write the name down of that guy. A song called, I've Never Been to Seminary, but I've Been to Calvary. They were asking Jesus about his seminary credentials. How can you dare teach us the word without this and this and this and this? And that song goes something like, I... I've been forgiven. I've been set free. Jesus called me. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He never said this in seminary, but on the way to Calvary. And seminaries are good if they are good seminaries. Seminaries are terrible if they're not doing what we've looked at and seen here, promoting God and godliness. And how about you this morning? And how about me? Are you still in a state of submission to God? The, the state of submission you when you became a Christian, when you said, I'm going to submit myself. I'm going I'm to, I don't know everything about everything, and I'll never learn everything about everything relating to God. But I'm going to submit myself to God. That verse 17, uh, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he'll know whether the teaching is from God or not. Do you still have that? Love going to weddings. Enjoyed that wedding. I've never—I'll be honest—I've never been to a wedding. James walks down. Yeah, here, here comes. We're all sitting there. I sat on the, I sat on the groom side because the bride side was really full, and I didn't know there was a groom, bride, and groom side and all that. So I was sitting back, back watching. Here comes Donna. Here comes James. Here's The bridesmaids are down there. The groomsmen are up there. And then at a certain point, I've never seen it. Maybe this is common uh, to some of you. Everybody goes and sits down, and the preacher preaches uh, a text. Uh, we've always, I've always seen it where the preacher preaches, but they're there, and their knees are buckling, and they're trying to stay standing, so I think it was good. But he preached. And he opened the word. How do you know if that preacher, with that preaching that word from Ephesians, how do you know if it's godly and true or not? And I thought about the photographers taking. What are they thinking as they take this? Are they listening? What's going on? Uh, uh, The preacher's final point was, wouldn't it be something if you came to a a wedding invited and and you ended up uh, at the wedding marriage supper of the Lamb, the wedding feast up there, that was the, the gist of it. Uh, in between, was some a Sonny and Cher reference, which I appreciated, and and some other things, and it was a. But how do you know? Well, you know, it, Jesus said one way: you put your heart to submit to God, and there's a God teaching and a Holy Spirit working while you're listening. The second thing: how do you know? Is your, if it's right in a Bible teacher to say, I want God to increase and not me, rather than use God to increase me. Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. All of us, what's our, what's our approach to God? Do we live a life that says, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease? And finally, when he talks about forming the hasty judgment Yeah, stop and think before you switch churches. Stop and think before you jump in. Uh, Personalities are a dime a dozen. What are they saying? Take your time and listen. And the Lord shows you. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Jesus submitted to the Father, and Jesus' answer could have been, No, I haven't been to seminary, but I'm going to Calvary. And what qualifies me to teach you this morning is the same thing that qualifies me to be the perfect substitute to die on the cross to go to Calvary. Goes on where we'll be next week. Some of them said, isn't this the one they're going to kill? Is this the Christ? Who can this be? And it builds on this in the narrative for us this morning. I think this is this is good enough for us today. Take this, learn from it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you for all of your teachings that were recorded. We know that you sent Jesus to speak uh, and Jesus spoke so many times, but we thank you for what's there for us that is necessary in your word. And we pray that you'll give us the grace and strength